Again, Merry Christmas uh, to all of you, and uh, man, a powerful uh, service uh, so far. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, my wife, Carrie, had an event to go to on a Thursday night, and uh, I was home that particular evening, and a little bit of backstory to this story. Everyone hear me okay? is that uh, for a while now, um, Carrie's been wanting to change the colors of the interior paint of our house. And we actually uh, purchased a couple gallons of the right paint, and so those gallons were at home. And I knew she'd be gone for two hours or so, and felt like it would be the perfect time to surprise her, to paint the big wall in our downstairs, the one with the fireplace in it, you know? And I just felt like, you know what, this would be a great little pre-Christmas gift. And of course, she's going to be excited and she's going to be thinking about how blessed she is to have the gracious, loving, excellent husband that God has given her. And so everything went great. I got that wall cranked out with taping and all in two hours. And just in time as I heard the garage door start to open. And then there was this anticipation. This anticipation for Carrie to see what her husband had done. It's one of those moments where you gather the kids around because you want them to see what a good husband looks like. One of those moments where your wife knows that not only do you know her love language, but you are fluent in it. (laughs) So I'm excited, and she walks in and turns the corner to see the wall. And her face. Her face. Her face was nothing at all like I was hoping or expecting. She wasn't mean. She just didn't say anything. And as she kind of tried to show her thankfulness at nice try, but also to share what she was thinking, I found out that my assumptions were a little bit different than hers. My assumption was that what she would have valued is getting a go on the painting of that living room and the house, getting it started. But that's where I was wrong, because the truth is, is that Christmas is coming, and Christmas guests are coming, and so no longer do all the walls match, (laughs) nor do the Christmas decorations match. And I learned two really important things that night. The first, I would be painting the rest of the living room before Christmas, And I did. And the other is on the screen. That when anticipation, it's actually the the next one, uh, when anticipation is based on false assumptions, it will often lead to disappointment. When you're anticipating something, but it's based on assumptions that are false, you are not going to have the predicted outcome that you were hoping for, and it will often, if not always, lead to disappointment. This was obviously true for my house. And it can also happen with this day that we know as Christmas. You see, every year, 
There's some pretty big ideas and words that are thrown around about Christmas. And we sing them, joy to the world and peace on earth, joy and peace. I mean, these are big concepts. And Christmas is pubbed as a season of miracles where snowmen come alive, as I mentioned earlier, and Grinches lose their Grinchiness. And everyone gets what they want because a a big guy in a red velvet suit gives you what you need. But then we get older. And is it true, and maybe not in this moment, but, but would you agree with me that in some ways Christmas can, at a certain point, begin to lose a little bit of its wonder? And, and I think the reason is this, that anticipation is based on false assumptions. It leads to disappointment because we grow up and we see that we don't get everything we ever wanted. And we see that the problems that we had before Christmas so often are still there after Christmas. You know what we see? We see that as much as we pray for Cousin Eddie, he still is Cousin Eddie, right? And so one of the the greatest emotions around Christmas for some, and maybe for you at times, is the post-Christmas blues, the disappointment, the indifference, the, the loss of wonder. It doesn't need to be that way. Because there's something else that is true, and if we could go back to that first slide, when anticipation is based on truth, when anticipation is based even more on God's truth, well, then it can never lead to disappointment. And my, my hope, my goal, my prayer for this message is that as we explore the truth about Christmas, that there is not a single one of us that will leave this place tonight and be disappointed about what Christmas means. Just a little bit ago, I I read the account by Luke of the birth of Jesus. About 60 years after Jesus was born, there was a a pastor named Paul. And some of you know a lot about Paul. Um, He was was a great evangelist. He, uh, He planted churches all around the Mediterranean Sea, and he mentored a lot of uh, young pastors. One of those young pastors was a man named Titus. And in a a letter that he wrote to to Titus to, to share with him a number of things, Paul talks about the significance and the truth about Christmas. And we're just going to look at those four verses, beginning in Titus chapter 2, begin with uh, this verse on the screen. He starts out this way about Christmas. For the grace of God appeared. That grace offered salvation to all people. Now, this is really interesting, and I want to camp out on that phrase, grace of God. What that's saying is, is that Jesus, because this is talking about Jesus, when the grace of God appeared, when Jesus appeared, that Jesus is the epitome of God's grace. That when you think of Jesus, when you see Jesus, when you think of him on Christmas, when you think of him 33 years later on the cross, we need to think of God's undeserved love. When you think of God coming to be with us, it needs to be all about 
his grace and love that he would do that. Now, here's, here's the rub, is that naturally the world and us included, do not think about God through the lens of grace. And, and here's proof. For centuries, when, when people would think about the relationship with God or with the gods, it was always based on judgment and fear. Take Greek mythology for a second. And that's what it is, a myth. But this is people trying to, to get their, their, their minds wrapped around what relationship with God would be like. Whenever the gods would come down in Greek mythology to interact with humanity, it was always about judgment and punishment. And that's how we think, naturally. And some of that is for good reason. Because God is way bigger and way more perfect than any of us in this room. He is holy, and we are not. But Christmas, Paul says to Titus, I want you to, to think about this. I want you to think about the undeserved love of God appearing on earth. Christmas shows that the truth about God is so much different than the myths and the fables. I mean, think, think of this. If you knew nothing about Christmas— and we're tasked with writing what the story of God coming to earth would look like, how would you write it? Would you have the Son of God being born to a poor couple from a nondescript town in Nazareth? If it were up to you, would you write about how the, the Son of God was born in a, in a stable amidst uh, cow manure, <laughs> And all the other stuff that happens in a stable. Would, would you write about his very first crib being a feeding trough? I'm guessing that almost not one detail would be the way reality was. When an all-powerful God comes into the world, you'd think it would be all about him. But when Jesus came into the world... It was all about you. He came to serve and not to be served. He came as the epitome of God's undeserved love and grace, even though none of us deserved it. And when you look at Christmas, when you think about that one Christmas, you begin to see in Jesus born in Bethlehem the truth about God, the truth about Christmas, that the truth about Christmas is that God, guys, God loves you intensely. It doesn't mean he always loves everything we do, <laughs> but he loves you. Some of you are wondering if that could really be. <laughs> You're, you're wondering about that because you have this baggage in the past that has been following you around. You, you wonder about that because you know how many broken promises you've made to your wife, to your husband, to your family. You're wondering about that because it's been five years since you've come to worship him. <laughs> you're wondering about that because, and fill in the blank. Did you catch the other part of Paul's verse? 
here to Titus. It says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to who? To all. So who does that exclude? No one. And who does that include? All of us. God doesn't just love intensely. It gets personal at Christmas, Paul says to Titus, because when he appeared, he appeared to offer salvation to all people. There's no qualifiers. Verse 14, I'm going to skip ahead and then come back. Jesus gave himself for us, why? To redeem us, that means to buy us back from that which would have been our end. And left up to ourselves, the end would be hell. Left up to ourselves, the end would be punishment because of our sin, because of our inability to be perfect like God is perfect. So Jesus came to buy us back from that end, from that future, and from all wickedness, and to purify, to make holy a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. If you have faith in Christ, you are never alone. You are a part of the best and greatest family that there ever was and ever is. The family of God. You are a people that are his very own, a part of his family. Now, has this ever happened to you as you think about why Jesus came? Has it ever happened to you that it's Christmas Day, so that's tomorrow? <laughs> FYI, okay. And you gave your son or daughter that drone, that quadcopter, that electronic device, remote control car, right? And he is, or she is, so eager to use it. And you didn't realize that there's no batteries that come with it and your cupboard's bare. Have you ever been in CVS on Christmas Day? I have. And they're out of batteries, usually. Because I don't think I'm the only one which this happens to. Now, now parents, let me ask this. Has this ever happened to you? That you bought your kids a whole bunch of batteries and you got to Christmas and you forgot the quadcopter? I think that's happened to like no one ever. Because we always start with the big gift. Right, parents? You don't forget the big one. You might forget the batteries. You don't forget the important gift. You don't forget the quadcopter and re or remember the quad, forget the quadcopter, remember the batteries, right? And I know that there's a lot of things on your heart and mind right now, and there's a lot of hurts and, and pains and aches, and, and God will give you strength to get through them or take them away. But at Christmas, here's what I want you to know, that God didn't give you batteries, but forget the quadcopter. He gave you the quadcopter, he gave you the big gift. And that's what Paul is describing here. Because he knew that without a right relationship with his father, that a back that doesn't hurt wouldn't matter at all. He knew that if things weren't right between you and him, that families that get along would be good for about, you know, 80 years maybe, but then after that it wouldn't matter. And so he wants your family to get along, and he'll give you strength to get through the back pain, but at Christmas he gave you what you needed the most. Not a mechanic, 
not an accountant, not a housekeeper. He gave you a savior. So here's the, the truth about Christmas. The truth about Christmas, of what it's really about, about what you really receive through Jesus who was born for you, lived for you, and died for you, and then rose again. The truth about Christmas is that it brings peace. Brings peace to your future because you know where you're going to be. That's a big concept, peace. You have a big God. The big things. And before I'm done, I want to leave you with what God has done for your present. I I was reading about a dad who had had enough of the misbehaving of his kids during the Christmas season. And I could not relate because my kids are perfect during the Christmas season, always. But his, his plan for sort of helping shake his kids out of this was to wrap up a couple of empty boxes. Did any of you read about this or hear about this? Wrap up a couple of empty boxes, put his kids' names on them so that it looked as if there was a gift inside. And then the next time that they acted up, he took the gift and threw it into the fire. Man. Now, I don't know if any of you have resorted to that. But we have resorted to bribery during the Christmas season at times, right? You better or else, right? You know, that's a pretty crummy way to live. (laughs) Big picture now. (laughs) That if I don't, I won't. If I don't, it won't. And it was interesting as I thought about that common way that we, we act and think, not only during the Christmas season, but all the time, how Paul solved that dilemma when it comes to our relationship with, with Jesus and with God so beautifully in that middle portion of this section. He writes, Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While, or during, while we wait for the blessed hope, the reappearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I highlighted grace teaches because you know what we normally think? The law teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to do the right thing. The commands teach us to do the right thing. The rules teach us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Do you know what Paul is writing to Titus? He says, if that's the way you've been living your life, Christmas makes a big difference for you. Because it's not the burden of, if I don't, it won't. It is the joy of what God has done for us that opens up this entirely new way to view our lives and our day and our moments, and our opportunities. You see, the law teaches us some things. You know what it teaches us? That we stink, and we need Christmas. You know what the grace teaches us, Paul says? That you have opportunity to make a difference as you reflect in your life the joy that you have because of what Jesus did for you when grace appeared. (laughs) 
The truth about Christmas brings joy to your present. Because you don't have to worry anymore. You have opportunities every day to live in response, in joyful response to what he's done for you. A few weeks ago, I was uh, putting the Christmas lights on our house. And uh, I have to tell you that I'm really meticulous about how I put the lights on the house. Surprise, surprise. Like, each bulb has to be, you know, have its own holder and that it just kind of sits there perfectly and all the, the, the garland on the poles need to be spaced out just right and all that stuff. And when I was done, I, uh, I took a picture and um, kind of ad- admired my work. And the, the picture is, is right here. Um, and as I was uh, done taking the picture, this is, I'm not making this up because it sounds like I made this up. I turned to my right to the west and I saw this and in that moment and I I don't profess that I know what God is doing in every moment okay but in that moment here's what I was thinking (laughs) God's like you think you're pretty good Ben (laughs) yeah your lights are all straight (laughs) nice little lights Ben Look at this. <laughs> Look at what God can do. You know, during the Christmas season, we spend so much time trying to make things just perfect. That the house looks great and that the food is perfect and that we want to give our kids experiences, right? It's, it's good. Don't stop doing that. But if things don't go the way you want them to, (laughs) it's okay. Because sometimes we focus too much on our little lights. And we need to spend more time looking west and seeing what our big, awesome, gracious God can do and has done. There's this one Christmas 2,000 years ago where God showed the world what he was about. And Paul wrote to Titus, there was this time when grace appeared. There was this Christmas 2,000 years ago when God showed how much he truly loves you. There was this Christmas 2,000 years ago that makes a difference 2,000 years later for you. So Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your immense love. And yes, you are a, a holy God and Yes, you have a a perfect direction for our lives. You want us to be holy. (laughs) But Lord, as we daily confess that we are not, we thank you 
but you're about grace as well. And that at Christmas, we are reminded of a Savior who has forgiven us. I ask that in each one of us who is here tonight, that we would leave tonight with a better understanding of your love, that we would leave knowing there's peace for the future and more joy in the present. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.